Welcome to Covenant Heart Ministry Sabbath Sermons. I'm your host, Thomas. Messiah Yeshua, Christ Jesus, is coming soon. Covenant Heart Ministry focuses on interconnected building blocks of biblical faith in action. Let us join the weekly Sabbath sermon. Be blessed. Matthew 13, and we're starting with sower and seed. So we're going to read we're going to read we're not reading all 15 verses today, are we? Nope. Uh, 1 through 23. We're focusing on the parable of the sower, but we're reading 1 through 23. Okay. Abba, thank you for your word. Please guide us. Lead us into your truth. Thank you very much. Shem Shah. That same day, Yeshua went out from the house and sat beside the sea. Great crowds assembled around him so that he went in to a boat and sat there, and the whole assembly stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen. The sower went out to sow. While he sowed, some seed fell beside the path, and the birds came and devoured them. But other seeds fell on rocky soil, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, because they did not have deep soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And when they did not take root, they withered away. Verse 7. Some seeds fell among thorns. And thorns grew up and choked them. But other seeds fell into good ground and produced grain a hundred, sixty, or thirty times as much. Whoever has an ear to hear, let him hear. The disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them. To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has should be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Pam, do you want to read? Verse 14, Pam. Pass. I'll catch the next one. Okay. All right. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, By hearing you will hear, by hearing you will hear and not shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For this people's heart has grown, grown dull. Their ears have become hard of hearing, and they have closed their eyes. Lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand their hearts, and turn, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, 
in your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Do you want to take us 18 to 23, Pam? Eighteen, a good tree. Is that where we're at right here? Yep, Matthew thirteen, eighteen. Oh, okay. I'm hang on. Parable. Sorry. Parable. But you hear the parable of the seed. Everyone hearing the word of the kingdom and not understanding, then the evil one comes and catches away <clears throat> excuse me, that which was sown in his heart. This is that sown by the roadside. And that sown on the stony places is this, the one hearing the word and immediately receiving it with joy. But he has no root in him, but it is temporal. And when trouble or persecution comes, he is quickly offended because of the word. And that sown into the thorn bushes is this, the one hearing the word and the cares of this world. And the seed of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But that song on the good ground is this the one hearing the word and understanding it who indeed bears and yields fruit one truly a hundredfold and one sixty and one thirty. Amen. Okay, so <laughs> yay Abba. We're going to start a series on Yeshua's parables that explain to us in the last days the difference between those who love truth and those that are willing to believe the lie. And the lie comes with a large deception. So we're focusing on his parables so that we can understand what Yeshua says is good seed and what is not good seed. In Matthew 13, there's a large crowd that large crowd that gathers and they want to hear. They're interested. There's sensation. There's a lot of excitement. This is the happening thing. People are interested. They want to go to the popular rabbi and find out what he's saying. The one who's stirring up the crowds and saying, saying things with great sensation. So Yeshua, as, uh, as he quotes from Isaiah in uh, verse 13, 14, 15, Yeshua speaks to them in parables. He doesn't straight, speak to them straightforward because those that love truth are willing to dig in to God's word. It's the glory of God to hide a matter is a glory for kings to seek out a matter. So some things God puts straight in front of us that are accessible, such as love your neighbor, love your God. And yet, even in that very straightforward, simple command, God is love. If you don't delve in to understand how God defines love, then love can be easily redefined. So 
following God does require looking in and having discernment. Loving truth is to love God. So Yeshua gave him parables because those that actually want to know will search. In Matthew 13, we have the famous parable of the sower and the seed. This is a key parable. It unlocks many understandings of Bible passages, teachings, parables. It's like a skeleton key that opens up all the doors. So Yeshua says in verse 3, listen. Sower went out to sow. Well, thank you, Captain Obvious. Yes, we have a sower with the intention of sowing. At the same time, Genesis 1 and 2 with John 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. In the beginning, God spoke, and he called order out of chaos. It seems very straightforward, but the more you dig into it, the deeper it goes. So any farmer that goes out with the intention of sowing the land uses good soil and uses good seed. He prepares the soil he selects good seed. So this farmer, while he sows, some seed fell beside the path. Birds came and devoured them. Yes. Jesus says to spread the gospel to the whole world. It does not say the whole world will accept this gospel. So, other seed fell on rocky ground. No. I'm going to take this in a different way. We're going to go quickly over the different soils, but then we're going to go back and layer with what Yeshua has. We're going to go deeper that way. So in a straightforward way, the sower went out to sow. The sower is God. The seed is the good news. And God has good seed. We, human beings, are the soil that he's sowing his seed in. So while he sows, some seed fell beside the path. The path that leads to life, the path that leads to destruction. God says straight and narrow, don't turn to the right or the left. Birds came and devoured the soil on the, the seed on the path. Those would be those that turn to the right and the left. Verse 5, other seed fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. Immediately they sprang up because they did not have deep soil. 
But when the sun rose, they were scorched. It did not take root. And they withered away. So this is describing the ground that soil exists. Soil is where seed takes root and forms and grows into a plant. But this soil has a bunch of rocks in it. Seeds don't grow their roots through rocks. The rocks have to be broken down. So whatever root may have grown stayed superficial. It's one of the ground cover plants. It keep it prevents the soil from eroding during rain showers, but it has no deep root in of itself. So when the when the hot sun comes, it may last a rain shower and the soil may not just erode away, but the hot sun comes and those plants just wither and they're gone. They don't have any sustenance. They don't have anywhere to get nutrition. Verse seven, some seeds fell among thorns. Thorns grew up and choked them. So these seeds, we have good seed and we have thorns, thistles, briars, mosquitoes, all things that God allowed the earth to produce once sin entered this world. These were not there in the garden when the world was at peace with God. So what does this tell us? Good seed can get mixed with teachings in this world, things that have appeared in this world because of sin and transgression from distance from God's truth. If a little leaven leavens the whole lump, and Jesus said, be cautious of the teachings of the Pharisees because of the leaven, he wasn't saying that Pharisees were always wrong. He was saying the additions they put in God's word, their leaven, permeates everything and transforms good seed into good seed with thorns. And if left unchecked, the thorns will choke out the good seed. We can see this with the extremes of legalism or hyper grace. Verse eight, other seeds fell into good ground and produced grain. One hundred, 60 or 30 times as much. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. So some seed falls on good ground. Some seed is responded to. It's taken to heart. It's chewed on. The outer kernel must die for the inner seed to break forth grow roots and become a plant. And in becoming a plant, it has the opportunity to bear a harvest. And many more seeds come with every successful fruit. 
such as one grain of corn, may make a stalk of corn. And the stalk has multiple ears, and each ear has multiple seeds, all from one seed of corn. So this is what Jesus is talking about of 160 or 30. Sometimes the soil is very responsive. Sometimes the environment is just right. Sometimes the environment's harsh. And it all depends on the seed, the environment, the conditions, the growth, the commitment, the consistency. There's a lot of factors. So whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. In Hebrew, the word for hear is shema. It means to hear, to hear and understand. To hear, understand, with the intent to obey. Not just to hear with your ears, not just perceive with your eyes, but to understand what is being said, to take it to heart and produce action. So when Jesus is saying, if you have ears to hear, hear, comprehend, and apply what I'm saying. So as the disciples ask him, why do you talk to them in parables? We're going to jump forward to verse 18 through 23 of Matthew 13. We're going to find out how Jesus explains this parable, because this will help us to understand the going forth of the gospel, the responsiveness, individuals, and how they respond. This will help us understand those that embrace truth and love the source of truth, as compared to those that embrace the idea of truth relative to their understanding, or reject one truth for an alternative truth to be put in place. As there is only one source of truth, that is our creator, Yahweh. So, I'm going to be going back and forth. Verse 18, therefore listen to the parable of the sower. When you see therefore, ask yourself, what is it therefore? In this case, he's explaining. And then we have the Shema, hear and understand, hear and obey, the parable of the sower. So back in verse three, listen, a sower went out to sow. While he sowed, some seed fell beside the path, and the birds came and devoured them. When anyone hears the word, verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one who received seed beside the path. So, 
we have the evil one being pictured as a bird coming to devour the seed along the path. So a couple things going on here. We're going to stick with corn. Do you expect to find corn on an asphalt road? No. no. The asphalt is very firm, solid, and hard. Birds are easy to pick up seed from there. What about a dirt and stone walkway in the garden? Is that where you want to find corn? In your walkway? On the walking path? And even if you did, you're more likely to walk on it. So the birds come where the ground is so parched that there's no way for the seed to even enter the ground. And this parching, this barren soil is not understanding. It's not Shema. It's not to hear and obey with the intent to understand. It's simply to hear, to hear with human ears, to see with human eyes, as Jesus describes in chapter 13, but not to understand, to bring about a change, which is repentance from the heart, which produces character change. So Ravi Zacharias dealt with this quite often when he'd do apologetics. Those that were so focused on the facts of the argument that applying the argument to their life did not even register. So, so the devil will snatch away good seed from hard, parched, unresponsive minds and hearts. Let's look at the next one. Verse 5, other seed fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up because they did not have deep soil. When the sun rose they were scorched because they did not take root and they withered away. Five and six, and we continue in verse 20. But he who received the seed on rocky ground is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. It's a good thing. It is. Yet, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. He does endure. He even looks like he's an overcomer. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, eventually he falls away. Yes. In the Laodicean lukewarm church is the best example possible. The Laodicean lukewarm church from Revelation. They receive it with joy, but they don't take it to heart. And how do they not take it to heart? 
What are they missing? They're missing that, that firm foundation. They're missing the foundation. Is this the one that needs to return to their first love? Uh, no, this is the one that needs, the Laodicean church is the one that's sexually involved, that's going after their own lust. Hmm. Um, they're not hot or cold, they're, they're just Ah, uh, the last one. Revelation 3, 14 through 22. They're very, 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 very welcome. Okay. They, they're the ones that they're very invested consent. in this world. Right. Hmm. They're very invested in this world and they perceive themselves to be rich and yet in God's eyes, their portfolio is bankrupt because what they have is worthless when it comes to cashing in at his judgment. Because they say, God, look at all these seashells I've collected. And he's like, what did you do with the life? You retired and then you collected seashells. That's That's a waste. Um, Tom, can I can I give an example of, that goes along with that? Can you hear me okay? Yes. Uh, you, you know, and the the scripture is very agricultural anyway, and I learned so much about the scripture from working in the garden, as I'm sure you do too. A few years ago, I planted some tomatoes, tomatoes behind my house, and they just, they, they took root, and they grew, and they grew. Uh, it was the most beautiful tomato plants you've ever seen. They were just covering this huge area. I mean, huge leaves, just beautiful. And I'm thinking, I can't wait, you know, for the tomatoes that this, these plants are going to, to produce, because I just, I mean, they were just beautiful, just huge. And they never produced the first tomato, not one. And I'm like, what happened? So I figured it out what it was. It was right where my, my dishwasher, there was a, um, the, the, the pipe that goes from, you know, my dish, my drain pipe, you know, that takes the water from my kitchen out to the thing there. It had rusted through. And it was just feeding these tomatoes. And that's why they were so pretty. But it was bad nutrition. It was bad gospel. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was like they were getting all these chemicals and, and stuff. And they looked beautiful. They're just beautiful. But they never produced the first, first fruit, not one. Because of, I think it, that, that's like the, like you're talking about, just, Deception from the world and you know, the, the world that is it, just deceiving us all and you know some things look very good But they don't produce fruit That is very Very good example Because they They have Some root 
they have some ground, but the ground that they were getting nutrition from did not actually give them the health they need to become a full functioning plant. Mm -hmm. So in your case, the chemicals in place of the rocks. Right. Yeah. And then if you ate fruit from that, there'd be a lot more chemicals than what you actually put into it. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Thank you. So, hmm. so rocky ground, not much soil, immediately sprang up because they did not have deep soil. He who received the seed on rocky ground is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures for a while. So we see the parallels here that the gospel is received with an open heart. Revival is happening in the person's immediate response. They joyfully want to learn more. They become very zealous. They're on fire. They love it. They want to eat up and get more milk and become richer. But they do this because the response doesn't require any kind of antagonistic commitment. There's no, there's no challenge to growth here. It's a challenge of self-improvement of, wow, this explains some things. This feels good. Let's go for it. And they're sincere and honest, but they're also not being challenged. So when the sun rises and they're scorched because they did not take root, they withered away. Verse 21, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a little while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, eventually he falls away. This, this is the testing as silver is tested, the refining as gold is refined. This is Messiah coming as the soap master with his lie to test and purify the sons of Levi. This is what James said, that faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. If you cannot go through a challenge, then you don't have any root at all. When you do go through a challenge, you see where your roots have grown. If you have no root growth at all, you will quickly turn with wherever the tides are turning. If you do have root growth, challenges and trials will show you where your hope is. Observation, Tara? Well, root growth, it's just like, for example, the micronutrients, you know, that I purchase so that way when we do 
like when we grow vegetables mm -hmm. when we go to replant them in the ground we have the micronutrients that cause major root development well our micronutrient is digging into the word of god mm. Our micronutrients for root growth is digging into the Word of God. In prayer and in praise. And prayer and worship and praise. And praise. Sacrifice of praise. We also bought that tangerine uh, tree. And it didn't have any roots. Mm hmm. Back. And that is a great example. Mm -hmm. The tangerine tree that looked quite healthy, it was even growing fruit. Yes. Mm -hmm. But the root system was a couple inches thick. Yeah, it was smaller than that. Yeah. So when we go to transplant it and we give it as much nutrition as it needs, root stimulating, fertilizing, and it looks good. It looks like it's just fine. It's going to grow. It'll be healthy. A challenging weekend comes with rain, with heat, and the entire tree just withers. The fruit falls off, the leaves fall off. It looks dead. This is what Jesus was talking about in the beginning of his ministry when he said, the axe is at the base of the tree to chop down um, those that don't produce fruit. As John the Immerser before Jesus showed. But there is a parable of a fig tree in a vineyard. Why a fig tree is in a vineyard? That's a different story. But it wasn't bearing fruit. And the one that was in charge of the vineyard who allowed the fig tree to be there said master give me three years i'll fertilize it i'll take care of it and if it doesn't produce fruit we'll cut it off and if it does then it's worth your time that's the same thing right here because they take the gospel and they do take it to heart there is hopefully good nutrition being brought in. Or in the other example, the nutrition being brought in is a bunch of chemical GMO food dye and there's no substance to it. Man cannot live on Hershey bars alone because that is not real chocolate. You need grade four chocolate. Man cannot live on a Twitter digest of God's word alone. You need the whole council. Mm. You need praise, prayer. Praise, prayer, reading the word. being stimulated by the word, the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. Mm -hmm. You need challenge. Challenge in this is part of growth. As it says, faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. And God tells us he will refine us, he will purge us, 
he'll test us. And Hebrews 12 talks about being disciplined as children. Otherwise, you're not even legit children. So all legitimate children receive discipline. Rejoice that you have a trial to see where your root system is. It will show you your level of maturity. It will show you where you need to grow. I've heard it said about King David as the example that he committed all the sins but only once. In discussing that, the level of maturity can be tested by the length of time it takes between sin, recognition, and taking ownership, turning away, and walking back to God. The amount of time it takes between that is a test of the person's maturity. So, some fall away during tribulation persecution because of the word, others don't. And keep in mind, Jesus said, the world knows its own. The world does not know me, nor does it love me because I am not of this world. When the world embraces something that is meant to be coming forth from God as the source of truth, contrary to the kingdom of darkness that this world lies in the influence of, if the world is openly embracing it, you need to discern and test where the roots of that system are. Because it may look healthy, bearing fruit, looking good, but when the trial comes, where is the roots? Are they superficial or are they going into a chemical pile? So this is the difference between those that love truth and those that are willing to embrace the great deception and believe the lie. I'd also like to just throw in here that sometimes people in general in their life, they start off as that side path. Mm -hmm. And then that side path, they start to get rocky and shallow. And then they start to get thorny. But Lord's like, uh-uh, I created you. I'm going to get these rocks out and these thorns out, and I'm going to just prepare you. I'm going to throw everything that I can at your life, and I'm going to prepare you, and I'm going to soften that heart while I'm grabbing all of this junk out of your life to wake you up the fact that I exist and that I love you and that I died for you and I rose again to be the justification and the sanctification and your salvation is through me and through me alone. Amen. So. Yes. That is very true. God will throw these obstacles in our path in order to test and try and refine his spirit in us or to bring us to salvation because we're that seven. Or the touchdown. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and that's a good application because 
one of these is not good or bad. These are all aspects of trial and growth that God brings us through in order to refine his image in us. The difference between a good and bad trial is the result it brings, not the trial itself. True. Mm -hmm. So, um, let's get into the thorns. Some seeds fell among thorns, verse 7, and their thorns grew up and choked them. Verse 22, he also who received seed among thorns is he who hears the word, but the cares of this age and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. So this would be the Laodicean church, the seventh church in Revelation. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches prevent them from allowing the good fruit to be grown because they forget to discern between corn and weeds. So they hear the word, they receive it. Some weeds grow up and you can't tell that they're weeds. They look like soybeans or pole beans in their early form growth. Maybe you are growing beans. So they, the weeds look just like the plants you want. It seems right. It feels like you can include this to take, take your favorite um, worldly financial philosopher and to add that to what God says about riches but you're also cheating on your taxes and you're shortchanging your employees or you're getting a higher commission for a lower quality product. These are things God says he does not find pleasing. At the same time, you might be doing other things that God says to do. So you figure it balances out. These are weeds growing up in the midst of of good plants. The cares of this age and deceitfulness of riches choke the word. It becomes unfruitful. Choking it out is much different than destroying the crop. Three sisters, for example, squash, beans, corn, they don't choke each other, they feed each other, and they thrive together. Weeds in the middle of your corn choke it out by stealing the nutrient, by lowering the, sound resonance, by reducing the solidity of good nutrition by stealing from that which should be whole. So, so when it comes time to bear fruit, 
you've got a full brown weed, you've got a partial brown fruit bearing plant. Even if you find some fruit on it, it's nothing like it should be. So philosophies of men, even Paul, a brilliant mind in his day, equal to uh, Mr. Dawkins. He said, I leave behind all my wisdom and all the things that this world finds useful. And I cling to the gospel of Jesus and him crucified for my forgiveness and my reconciliation. It doesn't make sense in this world because the principles and the priorities are different. But changing, Paul says that Jesus crucified for my forgiveness and my reconciliation makes everything in this world happen, makes my quality in this world better, makes me restored to my God and to his creation. But this is the root seed everything. So so let us find out what happens when fruit, when seeds find good soil, because this is what God is pursuing the whole time. He can rip up the thorns. He can remove rocks. He can break up the hard ground. He can make a path into fertile soil. But all of this responds by our heart, by a circumcised heart or a heart, by a circumcised heart or an uncircumcised heart, a heart of flesh or a heart of stone, stiff neck or a pliable neck. Be careful that you are not so stiff-necked that when God tries to remove weeds and stones, God has to break your neck to make it pliable. But God will do what he needs to while we're still alive to make himself real to us. We need to respond just like the soil responds to the seed. Verse 8, other seeds fell into good ground and produced grain, 160, 30 times as much. And verse 23, but he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit. Some produce 160 or 30 times what was sown. In the rocky soil, there is good, in the rocky ground, there is good soil. In the weeds, there is good soil. On the hard path, 
there's good soil underneath. The good soil receives seed. The good soil is responsive, soft, supple, pliable. Takes the seed of truth and puts it between their mind and their heart, between their conscious decisions, between their feelings, their desires, between logic and gut, and allows God's truth to take residence, to redecorate. The good ground hears the word and understands it. We have Shema. We finally have hearing and obeying. Hear and understand with the intent to obey. They will bear fruit. As long as that seed is in the soil, that seed will bear fruit. And does it matter if we bear 160 or 30? No. What matters is we bear fruit. It doesn't matter if you come at the beginning, middle, or end of your life. What matters is you bear fruit. What matters is you have faith in your inner person in Jesus and his redemption on our behalf to bring relationship with our creator by paying for our sin. And you repent of, I'm, I'm responsible for my sin. I take ownership of that. I say, Jesus paid for me. And I repent. That's bearing fruit. Continue to bear fruit for as long as your days are. And, and in this bearing fruit, as long as your day is, this confirms that you are a fruit-bearing plant. This confirms your faith. As James says, I have faith, I have work. Show me one with both, and I'll show you a good fruit. Jesus says, you will know them by their fruit. A good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. What about someone that's a carnal Christian or someone that's toward the end of their days? You don't know if it's a sincere repentance because they have a mixed harvest. They have weeds. You see rocks. Some of their fruit is less mature than it should be. Think about the thief on the cross. One of them continued to ridicule Jesus and insult him. And the other one said, I know who you are and I received the work that you are doing. Please remember me. And Jesus said, I, 
today. I affirm your faith is bearing fruit. Your faith is real. You will be with me in paradise this day. And yet some people would argue we don't have confidence that person is in heaven because they weren't able to obey any of the commands. They weren't able to be baptized. They didn't get filled with the Holy Spirit. For as small of a seed of faith as that was, we're still talking about it. How many people has that one unnamed criminal brought to faith in his last moments? And we don't even know his name. And yet he has done more than Billy Graham has done. Sincerity will bear fruit. And God is the one that will make sure that the fruit harvest is good. Because God is the one that pays for our redemption. God is the one that guarantees our harvest. Because he's the one that brings growth. So whether you're in a tough trial or it's a perfect growing season, bear fruit. Because in bearing fruit, you will have more seed to sow. We're going to continue looking at other parables that help unlock scripture. But this parable of the sower and the seed is such a hinge point parable that it opens up dialogue. It's not a good and a bad. It's this is reality. How do we respond to it? May we shema. Hear and obey. Hey, Lord. It seems that my wife has a song she wants to share, and then we'll get into some discussion and ideas. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Heart Ministry Weekly Sabbath Sermon. Please subscribe for more interconnected topics and build a firm foundation for Bible-based faith in action. Be blessed in the Lord. Messiah is coming soon.